Hello, everyone. This is Sally Chum, the host and executive producer of Afroqueer Podcast. We are so excited to be back in the studio to bring you season two. We spent the year reporting news stories from around the world, and we are thrilled to share them with you. It's been an exciting year for Afroqueer. Our podcast won a spot on the Google Podcast Creators Program. We were recognized by the Webby Awards, which honored us as being some of the best content on the internet in 2019. And one of our episodes from season two was featured as part of the Netflix podcast, Tales of Your City. We also started our new series, What's Your Queer African Story, which you can exclusively watch on Afroqueer social media channels. So go over to Instagram and follow us at Afroqueer Podcast and check that out. And let us know what you think. I know Rachel, our social media maven, would be happy to hear from you. It's been an exciting year, and we want to say a huge thank you to our listeners and fans from around the world. We could not do this without you. You have reached out to us and shared how Afroqueer has given you a sense of community, taught you new things, and touched your lives in so many ways. The team here is truly humbled by the outpouring of love and support you have shown us. We dedicate this new season to you. After this, our first episode of season two about world champion athlete Casser Semenya and sex verification testing in professional sports starts. So stay tuned for the first episode of season two, Sex Test. Would it be easier for you if I wasn't so fast? So you might have seen this Nike ad. Will it be simpler if I stop winning? The voice you're hearing is South African athlete, Castor Semenya. Would you be more comfortable if I was less proud? Her story has been all over the press. But for those who don't know, Castor Semenya is a world champion. She runs the 800 meters and she's won Olympic gold. Semenya pushes on again and she's breaking away. She just decimates her competition. She comes through, 155, 155. At home, she's a hero. A young girl deep down in the rural village of Limpopo to rise up and represent South Africa. We are very, very proud of her. But she's been banned from competing in her race, the women's 800 meters, because of questions about her sex. Man or woman? That's exactly the question that international track officials are trying to answer. She, and yes, she, claims to be a woman. Castor is a queer African woman who doesn't conform to Western expectations of femininity or humility. She has a deep voice. She doesn't wear that sports bikini when she runs. And when she wins, she does it with a bicep flex. If she runs like a man and talks like a man, is she a man? Castor's been in the international spotlight for 10 years. In 2009, she came in first at the World Athletics Championships in Berlin. She comes through, 155, 155. And almost immediately after her win, coaches, her fellow competitors, and the media ramped up their speculations that Castor wasn't female. The global understanding of sex and gender is starting to expand. Here in Kenya, we had a census that for the first time included intersex Kenyans. In 2014, India's Supreme Court officially recognized a third gender. And since 2018, Germans have been able to choose the word diverse rather than male or female on IDs. But in the sports world, everything is a binary. They have the men's category and the women's category, and that's it. 
Athletics also has a governing body. It's called the IAAF, the International Association of Athletics Federations. You'll hear us refer to them a lot in this story. It was the IAAF who told Castor that she'd have to take a sex verification test to prove that she's female. Ever since women began competing in professional sports, they've had to prove one way or another that they were female. Back in the day, they would just ask you to undress. You would be nude and they would look at you. That was not only intrusive in, and, and, and embarrassing, um, but it was also scientifically unsound. It, it has zero relevance to sport, what your external genitals look like. That's Professor Dorianne Coleman. She specializes in sports science, sex, and the law. But she's also a former athlete. She ran the 800 meters like Castor. Nowadays, they don't just do visual inspections of women's bodies. Instead, when they perform a sex test, they are testing the female athlete's levels of testosterone. Males and females both have testosterone in their bodies, but male bodies produce a lot more of it. For males, testosterone really kicks in around puberty. They develop Adam's apples, a lower voice, and facial hair. But it's also responsible for a bunch of internal changes. It increases male heart size relative to female heart size. It increases the chest cavity and lung carrying capacity. It increases red blood cell count and thus oxygen carrying capacity. It changes muscle fiber type. It changes skeletal development in ways that are different from those developments in females. Before puberty, the performance of boys and girls are about the same. But after? If you take the very best female in the world in any given sport or event, and there are some exceptions, her best performance will be far away from the best performances by people whose biological sex is male. What Professor Coleman is talking about here is something called the performance gap. So to illustrate this, at the Boston Marathon in 2019, the winner of the men's category was Kenya's Lawrence Chirono. Oh my gosh, and it's Chirono with the victory! He won with a time of two hours, seven minutes, and 57 seconds. The winner of the women's category, Ethiopia's Waknesh de Geffa, won with a time of two hours, 23 minutes, and 31 seconds. Worknesh de Geffa, Ethiopia. the 2019 winner of the Boston Marathon. That's a difference of 15 minutes and 32 seconds. 35 men ran faster than her that day. This is the performance gap. This is the basis for the IAAF's testosterone regulations. The IAAF has decided what the maximum amount of testosterone in a woman can be for them to compete in the female category. They measure this through a series of tests, sex verification tests. The results of Castor's sex verification tests have never been revealed publicly, but they've been much speculated on by the media and the general public. All we know is that her testosterone levels are higher than the bar that the IAAF has set. They've told her that if she wants to run with women again, she'll have to take drugs to lower her naturally occurring testosterone. Castor isn't the only one hit by this regulation. Afroqueer producer Ida Halinambi went to find out how it's been affecting other African athletes. 
We are here at Nile National Stadium in Nairobi, Kenya. We are specifically here to watch the race of one athlete called Maximilla Himala. Maximilla Imali is a former Kenyan national champion for the 400 meters. When she was 18, she was selected to represent Kenya at the IAAF World Championships in Oregon. She ran really well, but when she came back, she was told she'd have to get a blood test to determine if she was really female. They want to check us if you are really woman who can who run with another women or we have another maybe we are intersex something like that yeah and did your coaches tell you that or who told you AK Kenya yeah AK Kenya told me everything about myself then they went with me to the doctors then we do procedures every procedures with the doctors AK is athletics Kenya the governing body for athletics in Kenya the doctors measured Maximilla's T levels and informed her that her levels were much higher than the standard female range. This made her ineligible to continue running the 400 meters unless she took drugs to lower her levels. She was shocked. Like Casta and many other women caught up in the IAAF regulations, Maximilla was born a woman, raised a woman, and had always thought of herself as a woman. I was like, what is happening to me? Because this is something, this is a terrible thing that is happening. I don't know anything. So why these people, they, they don't want me to run with others? Be, because uh, of what? They, I, I wanted to know more about me. When Max Miller came home, she told her mom she'd have to start taking hormones. She, was, she told me, Max, don't do anything. Don't go to the doctor and get an injection. Don't go to the medication because you will ruin your life. You're going to, maybe those medications can spoil you can make you even dead. But the IAAF were not backing down. Then we started running like normally. And this year, maybe I can say last year, when the things was happening, bad things, I see that Custom Semenya is not going to run. So it's going to affect more athletes from Africa, including me. Max Miller was supposed to be on the Kenya team for the World Relay Championships in Japan. But because of the regulation, Athletics Kenya dropped her. I was shocked. In fact, I was shocked even I cried in my room. So athletics is like my, my job for me. Uh, it has helped me a lot. It's something that gives me food in my house, you know. It, it gives me a lot of courage. So now Max Miller runs shorter distances. The 100 and 200 meters are not affected by the IAAF regulation. It only affects distances ranging from 400 meters to one mile. She's still really good, but it's not her favorite distance. Now I'm struggling because I don't have that techniques of running. The coaches are not good for me to, they're not training me the way I, I needed those training. You know, it is hard. So if these people, they want to, they don't want us to run those races. What do they want? Why this is happening to us? Because we are not the one who created ourselves. We are not in the category of running with men. We are women. We are born women. There are people who, are don't, who don't have the, the high testosterone. Why, do they, why don't they give those people the injection to increase those testosterone? That is what I was asking myself. 
The condition of women whose bodies produce testosterone like Max Miller means that they are part of a population described as people with differences of sexual development. About 2% of the world's population have differences of sexual development, which means their bodies are biologically outside the male-female binary. That's the same number of people in the world that have red hair, or the same number of people in the world with green eyes, or the entire population of Russia. It's 150 million people. By majority, the CAS panel has dismissed the request for arbitration, considering that Castor Semenya and ASA were unable, unable to establish that the DSD regulations were invalid. The panel found that the DSD regulations are discriminatory, but the majority of the panel found that on the basis of the evidence submitted by the parties in the procedure, such discrimination is a necessary, reasonable and proportionate means of achieving the IWF's objective of preserving the integrity of female athletics. The IAAF say that the regulation which would require CASTA to lower her T-levels is the only way for them to ensure fairness for the women she competes against. But what do these women think? We find out after this short break. What's up, Afroqueer podcast fans? This is Rachel, Afroqueer's social media maven. I want to share a new series with you called What's Your Queer African Story? This is a limited Afroqueer series you can only watch on our social media channels. We traveled around the African continent and the diaspora to feature stories told by some of the bravest, most inspiring and creative queer Africans from around the world. In part one of the series, we feature Gowo Nasa, a fashion influencer from Cameroon who talks fashion, family, and love. I'm using fashion as a way of really reclaiming our queerness. You reclaim that sacredness. Because to me, it's a sacred feeling. Check out part one of this series on our IGTV and YouTube channels by following us at Afro Queer Podcast everywhere. Follow hashtag What's Your Queer African Story to be the first to know when the other episodes drop. Back to Ida. Semenya pushes on again, and she's breaking away. In 2009, back at the athletic championships in Berlin that started it all, one of the other runners was Australian champion Madeleine Pape. People were talking about uh, Casta Semenya's sex and whether she should be competing in the female athlete category. So you can imagine what that would be like. I mean, the, the night before the final for the, the international governing body to come out and say those things about a favourite for the final the following day. It really gave the green light for people to say what they wanted about Semenya and to uh, not show her the respect that, that she deserved. And people did not hold back. People feeling free to say uh, whatever they wanted to about this woman and just be kind of fascinated uh, with her in a way that was really dehumanising, to be honest. You know, she mustn't be um, eligible to compete as a female, like if she dresses that way or if she talks this way or if she sits this way or if she likes to play computer games. Like these were, you know, seriously 
these were things that people were were saying. And Madeline includes herself amongst those people who didn't know better at the time. To be honest, it was really easy for me to jump on that bandwagon uh, because I was so disappointed with my own performance. You know, in in the heats, I I raced poorly and... I think it was convenient in a lot of ways to be able to point the finger at somebody else. Now, following a career-ending injury, Madeline Pape has a PhD in sociology from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, focusing on gender, sports and fairness, and has changed the way she thinks about Casta Semenya's case. My research is looking at how the actions of governing bodies shape the ways that scientists are producing their knowledge about sex difference. The IAAF claimed to have shown a correlation between T-levels and performance in five female events only. The hammer throw, the pole vault, 400-meter hurdles, the 400, and the 800. And in the 800, it was only a very small association. But nevertheless, the IAAF used this as their evidence to bring in a new set of rules. And in fact, in the new rules, they included the mile, even though they have no data for the mile. Um, They also excluded the two main events where they found a relationship, so the hammer throw and the pole vault. No African country has ever won a medal in the hammer throw or the pole vault at the Olympics. This has begged the question in many people's minds, is a Europe-based governing body, the IAAF, choosing to question and penalise black and brown bodies from the global south? Is this a continuation of a historically problematic, challenging, of black femininity and black bodies in white minds. Here's sports journalist Dave Zirin. But what it exposes more than anything is that there is a twisted, sexist, racist, and heteronormative history that involves the way track and field and Olympic officials understand gender. A lot of people don't know this, but 40, 50 years ago, Olympic officials said that African-American women maybe shouldn't compete because they look, quote unquote, hermaphroditic. Not only does Madeline see a big problem with the rules that the IAAF came up with after they had done their research, she sees a big problem with the actual science as well. There were a lot of issues with the data that they used, things like missing data values, phantom times, doubled up entries. Um, They didn't exclude uh, women who were later found to have been doping. I asked Madeleine what she would have thought if the science had been able to prove a significant advantage for athletes like Max Miller and Castor. For me, I have also realised that the science is in some ways irrelevant to my own, my own perspectives. Um, you know, I have uh, various friends who, uh, some of whom identify as intersex, but who, you know, were born with differences of sexual development, who would be excluded from the female category under this, under this rule. I just realized that I I wasn't prepared to look them in the eye and tell them that, yeah, well, sure, I I accept you as a woman outside of sport, but when it comes to sport, uh, you know, when we're on the track, um, you're you're not eligible to compete alongside me. But what about the question of fairness? None of us have the right to win. Women with lower levels of testosterone also don't have a right to win. No one has a right win. Uh, we all have a right to participate. You know, I just, I don't like, I don't like it when it kind of comes across as people being entitled to sporting success when 
it's such an it's such an unlevel playing field and it's really just more important to be celebrating the people who are who managed to experience success there has to be space for the excellence of an athlete like Casta to shine on international and elite athletic stages. Women's sports should include all women without delimiting who gets to be a woman in a way that excludes athletes like Casta. Some people within sport are fearful that this could spell the end of the women's category. When people speak in those terms, they're doing it from a position of fear. There is no evidence that women's sport is going to look completely different once it's a more inclusive space. Okay, Casta, maybe if you wear uh, high heels, probably you will look prettier. If you Casta, you know, you wear skirts, yeah, probably you'll yeah. look like that. No, mm-hmm. that's not how I see Absolutely. myself, you understand? Yeah. So yeah. those are the things that I can control. Yeah. But then if you're going to Talk about laws, rules and regulations, which is I cannot control them because they are, they are established by uh, other human beings. As of this moment, Casa Semenya is not eligible to compete at the upcoming World Championships. She issued a statement saying she had been a guinea pig for the IAAF long enough and refuses to take medication to lower her testosterone. We don't know what the future holds for her athletic career. This episode was reported by Ida Halinambi, produced by me, Sally Chum, Ida Halinambi, and Mae Francis. Sound design by Tevin Sudi. Rachel Wamoto is Afroqueer's social media manager. Afroqueer is a production of None on Record and is supported by Hevos, the Dune Foundation, PRX, and the Google Podcast Creators Program. Our theme song is Power by Maya and the Big Sky. Additional music by Blue Dot Sessions. Follow Afroqueer Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, www.afroqueerpodcast.com. I'm Sally Chum. Tune in next week for more stories from Queer Africa. Bawani il